Coming up, Pastor Ray Bentley on the folly of tolerance. It's not loving to be tolerant of someone who's headed toward a cliff off which they fall, they will perish. Jesus said, we have a duty to rebuke. The holiness of God reproves sin, rebukes sin, cannot stand sin. Why? It's pretty obvious. Sin kills. There's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end of that road is destruction. Spread the news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. On the surface, tolerance seems loving. Live and let live, right? But it's not loving to stand on the sidelines and watch someone walk headfirst into devastation and judgment. In some contexts, it might even be considered criminal negligence. More on that today as Pastor Ray takes us to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. And then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Okay, go back with me to uh, the first four verses. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and he warns them about getting offended. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Now take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Jesus issues this warning and he is explaining to his disciples that because we live in a fallen world, a broken world, a world where we rebelled against God in the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, there is sin. So it's not perfect. It's, this is not the world as God originally created it to be. And I say, thank God. <laughs> 
There's remnants of beauty here. There's reflections of his glory. But this is not how it always was. Uh, the curse has come. And so because of sin, which is basically, sin means to be separated from God. So it's very simple. If God is love and you separate yourself from him, where are you headed toward? If God is light and you are separated from him, which direction are you going? So we can see that it affected the, the earth. You know, it's very nice that the world is concerned about greenery. The Bible talks about the greenery of paradise in the beginning. Everything that God made was good, it was beautiful, it was lush with vegetation, it was paradise uh, before sin came in. And I appreciate the fact that the world wants a green world, but the best way to get to a green world is to go back to the beginning and come to the God who created this beautiful place and let him restore it and reconcile. And that's what the second coming of Jesus is all about, bringing us back to paradise, amen? And how we long and look forward to that. But because we live in a, a sinful and a fallen world, it's impossible, Jesus is giving us a reality check that just because you accept him and his spirit comes inside of you, it does not mean everything is gonna be perfect and hunky-dory and just wonderful, la-di-da. You are going to be offended. You are going to be stumbled. But he, as he talks about the stumbling blocks and the offenses that all of us have experienced in life, he warns, there's a stern warning against offending little ones, little children, especially stumbling or putting a stumbling block in front of the childlike faith of a young person or a young believer. Uh, Jesus gives a very stern warning. He says, if you stumble someone or if you rob a child of their simple, pure faith, you had better watch out. It would have been better for you had you not been born. Or that a millstone, a millstone is a big, gigantic, heavy stone crushing the wheat, tied around your neck and drown. He goes, that would be better than if you had offended one of these little ones. And coming into a relationship with God, it's very interesting what Jesus said. Some people have this idea that there are secrets or that you have to be, you know, somehow spiritually intuitive or smart to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said the exact opposite. When they were talking about what's true spirituality, Jesus brought a little child and sat a little tiny child on his lap. And here's what he said, unless you come with the faith of a simple pure-hearted little child, you will not enter into or see the kingdom of heaven. That has been a stumbling block for people who are very smart. Hey, God made you with a mind and ability, and maybe you are a great thinker and a philosopher, and you're an engineer, and you understand great mysteries. But if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to humble yourself, and you have to become like a humble, simple, pure little child. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. So as Jesus talks about this, he's giving some of the duties and responsibilities to disciples. To be a disciple means to be a learner, a follower of Jesus. And in verse 3, he says, take heed to yourselves. Here's his warning. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. The first thing that Jesus mentions as a disciple is a duty to rebuke sin. 
we have a calling, and, and so Jesus may have been referring to a brother who is in sin and who's stumbling and may cause someone else to stumble, another person to stumble. I don't know why, but there's something about our culture that believes that to rebuke someone or to call sin, sin is somehow uh, not loving, it's not kind, in their minds it's not even Christian, that the idea of being tolerant uh, is somehow a godly quality. Jesus would not know what our culture, our generation was talking about. Uh, true spirituality rebukes sin. The holiness of God reproves sin, rebukes sin, cannot stand sin. Why? It's pretty basic and pretty obvious. Sin kills. Sin destroys. Sin separates. There's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end of that road is destruction. And so it's not loving to be tolerant of someone who is headed toward a cliff off which they fall. They will perish, and it will be very painful. It's more loving to say, hey, you keep walking this way, you're going to fall off a cliff. Amen? Jesus said, we have a duty to rebuke. And if you have a pen or a pencil and you're taking notes and you're wanting to know, okay, what is the Lord requiring of me? How do I grow from where I've been to a new place? I want you to write this down and think about it. To rebuke is loving. And the first person you are to rebuke is yourself. And the first areas of sin that you are to rebuke are in yourself. Why that? Because when I begin to rebuke the sin in my own life, and when I begin to, to rebuke and exhort, as it were, myself against those things that are hurtful or harmful to me, you will be the most gracious that you can toward yourself. You'll be very gentle about it. I don't want to reprove you too hard, Ray, but dude, you're blowing it. Well, as you learn how to rebuke, as it were, your own self and walking after the spirit and not after the flesh, it will teach you how uh, to gently go with others. I believe that it's very important that we learn to rebuke sin, first in ourselves and then lovingly in our brothers and sisters, to learn how to do so seriously, to learn how to be direct about it, uh, and also at the same time to do it gently. There's an aspect of rebuke that has a gentleness to it. I put a scripture in, into your notes, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And in this, the whole letter of Galatians is a rebuke to the believers who were in Galatia who were compromising. But Paul ends this letter, which the whole letter is about rebuking the sin that is among them, with how to do it in a spirit-filled, loving way. And he uses the word gentleness. So it is possible to rebuke sin and yet do it with a, a gentle spirit. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 is in your notes. Let's read this scripture. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I think the reason that Paul mentions, you know, if you, if you know someone and, and they've been caught into a sin, you who are spiritual, and the goal, what is the goal of rebuking? The goal is restoration. If you know that when you are going to rebuke or reprove sin and the goal is to restore, then you'll always do it in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So brethren means brothers and sisters. If a man or a woman is overtaken in any sin, the really spiritual ones among you are those who will restore 
renew, refresh, bring them back in such a way that they go, oh yes, why am I doing this? I want a close relationship with the Lord and doing so in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. Pastor Ray was such a devoted servant of the Most High God and is now in the presence of his best friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race and finished the course set before him. My love to the Bentley family and to Maranatha Ministries. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So we have a duty as disciples and followers and learners of Jesus Christ to rebuke sin. But then secondly, we have a duty not only to rebuke sin, we have a duty to forgive. And he says here in verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. We have an, an obligation. We have a, a duty. I would add that in context, Jesus is saying, we as, as now God's children have the character that requires forgiveness. Our duty is, is uh, to rebuking is also tied to our duty to forgive. Now Jesus goes on. Uh, he says, and if he repents, forgive him. And just in case your disciples were wondering, well, how many times do I have to forgive? If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Oh, that's tough. That's a hard one, isn't it? Regardless of the personal nature of the offense, regardless of the repetition of the offense, we are duty-bound to forgive. But Jesus did give one little caveat, if they repent. It's hard to forgive someone if they don't repent. God doesn't even forgive us if we don't forget. He died for us. He paid for our sins. But forgiveness really happens when there is a repentance. And as I mentioned here in your notes, Jesus' point is that it is better to be willing to forgive seven times a day than to refuse to forgive a truly repentant soul. Uh, we have to be careful, you know, whether they're sincere or not, whether or not we are that judge, God is the judge. If they repent, you kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt. You cannot grow into bitterness. I like what someone has said, to stay in bitterness is to keep drinking poison, hoping it will kill the other person. Have you ever heard that one? That's what bitterness is. I'm going to keep drinking this poison, hoping that you die, you know. It doesn't work that way. Now, this is not easy to do. This is very tough. Jesus is saying we must rebuke sin, even if we don't want to. We must forgive sin, even if we don't want to. Are you getting a pattern here? It really is not about what we want or how we feel about it. We are called in the character of God to reprove sin, first in ourselves and then wherever we see it. We have a calling and the character of His Spirit that must forgive. 
And when they repent or when they tell you that they are sorry, we have an obligation to forgive them, even seven times, even from the same person. Even seven times in one day, we are called to forgive. Now, all of us desire peace, and this is something that we all will learn by experience. The true path to peace is called obedience. Not one of our favorite words, right? Obedience, to be obedient to the Lord. Our nature is very stubborn, rebellious. We wanna look at things and kind of evaluate and decide for ourselves. No, the path to peace is obedience. And the reason that he calls us to be obedient in this is look at Jesus' life. Have you ever read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and seen Jesus, and he rebukes sin freely wherever he sees it? Not only you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the usual suspects, but even among his own disciples. He rebukes them right there. Why? Because that's the character of our Father in heaven. It is spiritual character. It is godly character to reprove sin, to not tolerate even a little bit. You know, I use this silly analogy, but let's say we were friends and we go out and, uh, uh, you know, several times a week we want to have a sandwich together and, and I tell you as I make your sandwich, a tuna sandwich for you, uh, and I tell you, I'm going to just put a, one drop, it's such an infinitesimal amount of strychnine in your sandwich, you won't even notice the difference. Uh, would you say, no, thank you. I don't even want that much. Well, we are to look at sin as poisonous, toxic. It is to make your stomach sick, not even to tolerate a little bit of it within our hearts or within our lives. And at the same time, we're to be forgiving. That, that requires the character of Christ. When we rebuke sin, when we are forgiving, we are now adopting the character of our Father in heaven. God always rebukes sin. And why? Because it's loving. I believe that God is sending signs. He has sent his word. He has sent his prophets. He has sent his son. He has given us time. And now the, the world has had 2,000 years of the preaching of the gospel, and signs are coming again. Prophetic signs. The regathering of Israel is, is the biggest prophetic sign that Jesus is coming, the kingdom is coming, and even with these signs that we've seen and the solar eclipses, he's giving warnings to repent. He is rebuking the world in sin. How many would agree the world's still in sin 2,000 years later? And the nations don't have the answers. The economists don't have the answers. The politicians don't have the answers. The philosophers don't have the answers. The scientists don't have the answers. Why? The world needs a savior. We need to be saved. Every day we need to be saved. And, you know, education is great, but education and being smart or having more knowledge has not made us with less war and, and less poverty and, and less abuse and less wickedness and less sin. It's still there. We need a Savior. So God stands against sin in perpetual rebuke. And yet... At the same time, it delights his heart to forgive. He is so easily touched that the slightest turn of repentance toward him, and immediately he forgives. 
He loved so much that he sent his only begotten son, his pure son, from paradise down to the earth and gave his son and allowed his son to be crucified because he was so wanting to destroy sin and yet save us. And that's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God is, he will not tolerate sin, but he also is very, very full of forgiveness, gracious and forgiving. So we are to follow in that same character as we follow the Lord, as we seek the Lord, as we are his disciples, lovers of his word, reprove sin, rebuke sin everywhere, tolerate not even an ounce of it in your own mind or in your own heart. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ and be forgiving and learn to be gentle. The Bible says we are to speak the truth in love. The church, at times, we, we tend toward extremes. We'll speak the truth. But if you speak the truth without love, it can be very harsh. And then there are others that say, love, 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 love. But the love is so mushy, there's no truth left in it. And it doesn't do anybody any good either. What we need is a healthy balance of the truth spoken in love equals salvation and eternal life. In him was life and the life was the light of men. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus is. He has enough grace for every nation, every language, every kindred, every tribe, every color, and every tongue. But he also has the truth. And he said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. There are many that are offering a false sense of love in the name of tolerance that leads away from Jesus. And that is not the truth, and that is, that is not love. God revealed himself crystal clear, perfectly, totally, completely through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the door to eternal life. And that door is very narrow. It's, it's as wide as Jesus, arms on the cross, but it's a narrow door. But on the other side of that door, if you come to Jesus, it's as wide as human history. It's as wide as there are people. And it will go on forever and ever. Amen? The sad thing is that the world says, oh no, we don't want that narrow door. We want the big broad door. But if you go through the big broad door, it all ends up in one very narrow little place called hell and a place that is opposite of God, which is darkness, selfishness, and separation from him for all of eternity. So do you want to start broad and end up at a narrow place of destruction? Or would you rather go through the narrow door that leads into the broad roads of the eternal kingdom of God? That's what Jesus is offering. Pastor Ray Bentley with important words about eternal life. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus' offer of salvation, let me encourage you to go to our website, raybentley.com, and click the word About. Pastor Ray will help you learn more and help you make that change today. Again, go to raybentley.com. Now, today's study is titled, Lord, Increase Our Faith. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. 
And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us but we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.